I'm going to open this with prayer. We're going to jump into 3, 5, and 6. And I'm going to try to cover all of this thing. Is If you look at your outlines, you'll see that it's a new one. It's the ministry of the one another's. I've showed you what was going on with the person of the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he does, how he does it. He is consistent. He is faithful. He is unchanging. Okay, but now I move into what does it look like? Let's pray. Father, we come before your throne to hear from you. Help us. Help us to hear you. Help us, Lord, to take it from our heads to put it in our hearts. Father, help us to put feet on this. Help us to see that man building the church, it collapses. Father, when you build the church, the abode of the dead can't even stop it. Father, that is the work of your spirit and your people. The promise of a great wedding feast. Your children. Your church. Christ's bride. Christ incarnate. The lost and dying world. Father, let us see this. Let us understand this. Let us walk side by side, Lord. Bearing one another. In your strength, Christ's name. Amen. We're looking at the Holy Spirit. We've laid the foundation. A few weeks ago, I dealt with a text that I called dependence. What is your dependence on? comes out of chapter 3. All right, chapter 3, he says, verse 3, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, you are now perfected by the flesh? How many times do you see this today? You got saved, you understand saving grace, it brought you into the kingdom, and now you sit there and I'm going to go to seminary, or I'm going to memorize my Bible, I'm going to do this Bible study, or this system, this method, and I'm going to go out and be Jesus to Jesus, peoples. Ain't no way. You can't do it. All right, the, the WWJD, what would Jesus do? He would raise the dead, walk on water, create when there wasn't anything. You, how you doing? I mean, I can do the walk on water, but ice fishing is overrated. I mean, there's nothing like sitting on a big old block of ice, looking down a little bitty hole, thinking, here, fishy, fishy, come on, fishy, fishy. They just don't get it. So, and I, so I've walked on water. I've never raised the dead uh, and a few other odds and ends that Christ has done. All right, so you, you need to understand that it isn't you being Christ. It is you dying and Christ coming through you. It's that simple. All right, now go do it. Okay? But the Galatian church was struggling with the same thing that I see in Christendom today. All right? If I got it, why is it that we believe that you have to have a, a master's or a PhD or something like that before you can ever walk behind a pulpit? Does anybody know the seminary that Peter graduated from? I don't, I don't know. I, I know that Paul went to seminary and then had to count it all lost because it was all wrong. Okay? Be real careful about it. Now listen, I'm not, against that, I'm not against education. Okay? But if you believe that you can go to a four-year, a 12-year, a 100-year seminary or school and come out ready to work for Jesus... You're nuts. You're nuts. It's impossible. You all of a sudden now have the mind of Christ? No. So we have a dependence. We understood our dependence in salvation, and now we have to understand our dependence in what is called sanctification. Holy living. 
Okay? Are you dependent on Christ or are you dependent on your knowledge, your wisdom, your methodology, your experience or psychology? Which is it? And yet we've already looked at it. He says, you know what? The law can't even tame your flesh. You know what that is, right? That would be the word of God has no ability to tame your flesh. So what is the wisdom of man going to do? I can tell you what it does. It is like throwing gas on the fire. It's like throwing gas on the fire. So in, in essence, he lays the argument in chapter 3 and he says, Have, are you going to perfect yourself by your own energy? Then last week we were looking in chapter 5. All right, chapter 5, he says, it's very easy, brothers and sisters, to do this. He talks about there the freedom in Christ has set us free. In Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. You are running well. Who has hindered you in obeying this truth? He's he just going right on through, right on through. And he says, says, in verse 16, he says, so I say walk in the Spirit. Very simple, very easy. You want to live for Christ? You want to be used for Christ? You want to see God glorified? Then walk in the Spirit. And you know what is amazing about this? He doesn't give an argument or a debate about it. Just walk in the Spirit. Why? Because when you walk in the Spirit, it says here, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. (coughs) What? That's what it says. You will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Then he showed us that because of this, walking in the Spirit, you're going to have a conflict. What does he say? Verse 17. For the flesh sets its desires, it literally means its lust, against the Spirit. And the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so you may not do the things that please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Far out. So, anybody here ever realize the conflict of the flesh and the spirit in your own personal life? Only one of them awake. <laughs> Other than that, I don't have any problem at all with it. That's when I'm asleep. Okay, and then uh, you know, I already told everybody after you get after forty, you don't dream anymore. So I don't, I don't have any dreams to get me in trouble either. You see what I'm trying to get at? Where can I take methodology, human wisdom, or experience and accomplish this? How can I do this? Okay? I want to give you some stuff here. Remember what we looked at. When you got saved, you were immediately convicted of your sin. You were drawn into repentance. Your faith became supernaturally charged. You were born again. You're a new creation. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You're immersed into the body of Christ, the church. You're supernaturally enabled for service in the church. You have been secured by the Holy Spirit. You have been separated from the things of the world. And you've also been separated from sin and death. That happened at the moment of your salvation. There's no process in that. It is instantaneous. What did you do to add to that? Nothing. Then the Holy Spirit gets you by the heartstrings and He brings you into the intimacy with God that you can call Him Papa, Abba. You can now understand the Word of God. You all of a sudden, because you're in this intimate relationship with God, and because you understand the Word of God, you all of a sudden start getting this unfolding view of the majesty and glory of Jesus Christ. 
to the point that you literally are being transformed from glory to glory. And you ain't got nothing to do with it. It's all done by the Spirit of God. Then it goes on from there. He's going to give you personal guidance. You, personally guided by the person of the Holy Spirit into the exact perfect will of God. Okay? Then, because you have got those there, you will start ministering to other believers. You know what ministering means, right? Serving. You start serving other believers. Other people start being more important than you. We're taught. We're taught. And you are strengthened with power from he who only spoke existence into being. I'm thinking there's a little power source there. And when you're really struggling, you can understand that when you don't even know what to pray, the perfect Holy Spirit, knowing the perfect will of God, makes perfect intercession on your behalf. Continually. Continually. Verse 18 in Galatians 5 says that if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Not under the law. He gives you a contrast next. I'm going to go through these really quick. Basically, 19 through 23, he contrasts what's this conflict. What is this? Yes, 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 I'm getting to the... This is still introduction. Isn't it a blast? Okay? I want to give you a contrast here. I like this because this is the one that always saves my keister when people say, well, you can't judge people. You can't know the heart. Well, this says the deeds of the flesh are evident. (laughs) Okay? And maybe that's not what your translation says, but that's what mine says. And the deeds are evident. Look at them. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this. And we would all say, Amen. I can just look around. It's just pretty much everywhere. Right? But he contrasts this because he wants us to understand that what we're dealing with, this list of the flesh, and then he puts that in things like this because he says, you know, this isn't an exhaustive list. I've got a book that I bought and it's called Sin. And it's about that thick. And I thought it should be thicker. Okay, but I, I haven't read it yet. I, I'm not that brave, but I got it. I thought, well, there, there you go. My wife thought it was Nins, but uh, it's not. You turn it this way and it's sin. Okay, so anyway, when I think about it, the, the flesh and what does it do in this conflict that exists there. And I think the easiest way for me to describe it is if, if you will look at verse 22 and 23. Because this goes back to that, you know, you can't judge people. You can't see what they, you know, how do you know they're saved or not? Well, the flesh is evident. Verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is evident too. Okay? And I would argue that if you look at that list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such saying there is no law, none of those are human nature. They're absolutely 180 degrees out of what man does. Okay? So I have this list of the flesh fighting against this list of the spirit. And there's a conflict. And the spirit, the things of the spirit are not man-powered. Listen, take the first one. Love. 
Okay? Now, we use the word love. I love my dog, my grandma, my wife. But they're not the same. Well, I hope not. <laughs> okay? <laughs> but they're not the same, right? Okay? Because there's, I forgot, I think there's like 18 words for love in the Greek language. And it covers, you name it, it covers it. But anyway, um, the love that is listed here is agapon. Okay? It's an active work. Okay? It's active. All right? And it never has a boundary on it, nor does it have a qualifier on it. Everyone in this room has love to a qualifier. Man's love is on a qualifier. I love you because... What are you going to give me? I mean, you ever watch people date? I remember dating a little while ago. (laughs) My love for her had absolutely nothing to do with her except she was pleasing to my eye. And we had things in common. Well, sort of. She likes horses and I like horsepower. (laughs) It's close. It's close. But we do that, don't we? All right? And then what you find is, is once you take the covenant of marriage in it, what happens? All of a sudden you start learning. This one snores and this one doesn't snore. This one should snore. This one doesn't look as pleasant in the morning as I thought they did in the afternoon. And, and, and the love will grow because an intimacy grows there that you start knowing the heart, the soul, and the thinking of the person, Right? If you've been married for a while, have you ever had it when your wife answers your questions before you get the question out? All right, or you come up with the same solutions at a time, you sit there and go, Kroop, and, they're, and they're on the same wavelength, and you go, oh, that's spooky. Why? Because you start, you start being one. I hope we don't start looking like one another, but, oh, that's an awful thought. But we are one. And that love all of a sudden moves. Uh, we have horses. My wife has horses. I have a feed bill. And I, I, you know what? My daughter loves horses. My, my wife loves horses. They ride their horses and they do things with their horses. And, and they're kind of fun. To s- no, they're not. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry I lied. Um, and, and it's amazing that these horses, you know, they're, they're wonderful. I, I love the joy they bring to my home. But whenever it snows, whenever it's cold and it's dark, why do I have to feed them? <laughs> The horse ain't my family now. <laughs> but, but do you see what I'm trying to get at? Why? And you know what? She doesn't even have to ask me. I can look at the weather forecast and say, Wednesday night, I'm feeding. Okay? Um, I don't do the blanket thing. I'm a John Wayne hero. John Wayne is my hero. He never put a blanket on any of his horses. And I think that that's blasphemous, but that's a whole different issue. Okay? I mean, God gave him a coat. <laughs> he don't need another coat. Well, but they get cold. So? <laughs> They'll stand in the barn. 
Okay? Don't tell me how smart horses are. I've seen them. <laughs> they ain't that smart. Okay, but you see what I'm trying to get at? What happens is that agape starts. It's a self-sacrifice of love, period. The other person is more important. It can only, 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 only be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is evident. Think about the second one there. Joy. We try to move from one joyous place to the next joyous place to the next joyous place. It's already there, people. You already have it. You are immersed in it. You are overwhelmed by it. It is all over you. You may not believe it. You may not be resting in it. You may not be trusting it, but it's already there. You know what's amazing about all this? It's all the Holy Spirit. And when I lose my agape, my flesh is risen. When I lose my joy, my flesh is up. When I lose my peace, my flesh is up. It's that simple. And just go down to the... I mean, I look at that one right there. Everybody talks about these are really cool. The one that always amazes me is self-control. Self-control. Human nature is not controlling. It doesn't self-control itself. Look at it. Watch it. I mean, it, we, we got addictions to everything. Well, you name it, we can be addicted to it. Why? It's a lack of self-control. Why do we have so many laws? A lack of self-control. Take a very simple law. I want you to slow down in a school zone. Why? Well, the little darlings can dart out from under the cars and jump off of hoods and things and right into you. All right? Self-control says, pay attention, fool. But no, we have to put a flashing sign, a light, slow down, there's children. Why? Because we're all mad that we have to go to work and we're driving like crazy people to get there. To a place that we hate. I've never understood that. I'm mad and I'm in a hurry and don't make me late because I hate this place. What? Why? We have laws that help control us. All right? So, do you see what I'm trying to get at? You see the conflict? Listen, if you don't see the conflict, you're either dead today or you're not saved. Okay? Because the conflict exists in the child of God. Okay? It's not natural, man. It's beyond the law. Is there anything you can add to that? Can you study psychology and add to that? Can you take a method of uh, uh, what I call fill-in-the-blank Christianity and add to that? No. You can't do anything about it. Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And I want to talk with this just a second. I'm still in the introduction here because you don't understand this. I don't need you to step into this next text. All right? Here's what he says. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified. Does yours have ED on the end of crucified? Do you know what that means? Past tense. Past tense. Do you know what the implications of that is? Flesh is dead. Flesh is dead. Now. Okay? But you know what I've learned? We like to carry around a dead corpse. We do. Lug that thing up over, and I'm going to drag it around. I, I kind of look at it this way. We are allowing the decay 
of that corpse to affect our lives. Way more than we need to. Way more than we need to. Why do I want to carry that old stinky thing? Why do I let it have that authority over me? Because that's your battle. If we live, verse 25 says, let us walk. If you got saved by the Spirit, then you should walk by the Spirit. That's basically what he's saying. The only source of spiritual transformation is the Holy Spirit. Human solutions are useless. They're absolutely useless. And I have heard it. I have seen it. I have smelled it. I have tasted it. They are absolutely useless. They cannot. You really believe that you can take a human solution and fix a a marriage? Who invented marriage? God did. Who's going to fix it? God is. God's way. He, you can't. I'm going to go see a marriage counselor. Why? I thought you had the marriage counselor indwelling you. Ask him. Has anybody ever heard, had problems with their family? You know, the little darlings? And what solution have you had fixing your children? Nothing. It doesn't work. Children are proof that there are demons. <laughs> they are. You just watch them, you think, man. Why would anybody want to have children? Look. I mean, it starts off what? I'm awake every two hours. I want to be fed and I want you to take care of the product of that feeding. I'm going to take a nap and I'm going to be up two hours and I want to do it again. Have you really ever seen anything as self-centered? Okay. How about strangers? How do you do with strangers? How about co-workers? How about work relationships? How about the lady with two baskets full of food in the express lane? How do you deal with that? It's easy. (laughs) Pray. (laughs) You walk in the Spirit, you want to have a good marriage? Walk in the Spirit, you want to have a good home life? Walk in the Spirit, you want to raise kids? Walk in the Spirit, you want to see a workplace that is God-glorifying? Walk in the Spirit. Consistent to prayer, consistent to the study of Word. Why? So that my mind is thinking spiritual thoughts. When your mind is not thinking spiritual thoughts, where do you end up? Okay, let me show you something here. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ have, past tense, crucified the flesh. Okay, day by day by day by day we yield ourselves to God in Christ moment by moment by moment by moment let me explain to you why he uses the word crucified okay past tense let me explain to you crucifixion it is not a quick death it is a long suffering agonizing destruction of the flesh and that's why I yield day, you know what, the way I'm going right now, I am yielding moment by moment by moment to the crucifixion of my flesh. Why? Because my flesh is at war with the Spirit of God. And when you think about the crucified life, 
It isn't your spouse's crucified life. It isn't your employer's crucified life. I know you want to crucify your children, but that's not it either. All right? The crucified life is you. And you do it without expecting anything because you're bearing fruit of the Spirit. Jesus Christ hung on the cross. He said, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. How are you doing? It's a battle, isn't it? It's a battle. This is hard to do. Anybody? I should have got at least... Uh, <laughs> Mad at just you and me, bro. Everybody says, yeah, the elders are struggling. <laughs> they're the ones that said they're in a battle. I don't know what their problem is. Let me tell you something. It is not only hard to do alone. I have seen so many try. And I have seen so many fail. That I cannot imagine forsaking the assembly together, which is the habit of so many. Do you guys realize I am desperate for you? I have to have every single one of you. Sometimes I need more. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm the one who struggles. You guys aren't. But that's why God put you in my life to help me. Okay, did you know that? Did you know that your life intersected with mine because God said, that bugger right there is going to need all the bodies I can get around him. Why? I know what my flesh is. And you know what? You may not do this, but every once in a while I like to pick up that old dead carcass and throw it over my shoulder and say, smell that? That's a dandy, ain't it? Let's go walk with Jesus. And I'll carry old Sluggo. I know. You guys keep praying for me. I, one of these days I'll catch up. Okay? But every once in a while I have to pick up this old dead body and drag it along. Come on, buddy. We're going somewhere. I'm going to crucify you. You'll be into it. That's crucified. That's crucified. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Then He gives you a warning. Let us not be boastful, challenging one another and envying one another. The day that you think you've arrived, duck. Duck fast. Okay, I have seen it. I have seen it. I have seen it. I have seen it. You have seen it. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And you know what? If you think you're an elder, if you think you're a pastor, or you think you're a Sunday school teacher, and you think that you... I study my Bible. Listen, people, I get paid to study my Bible. And I'm a sitting duck on my best day. My best day. And I fear... And I see people cruising through Christendom. I'm going right on down. And they're clueless. Flesh is leading. They believe they've got it mastered. That brings me to where we're going. What I call the ministry of one another. This is perver- This is the thing that is killing the church. Okay? I have not seen this outside of the United States. I haven't been to a lot of places. But I have not seen this ministry exist in the United States. Seen glimpses of it. 
seen flashes, seen a few people walk through it, but it's difficult. Look what he says here. Brethren, two, two, two lines I want us to think about on the ministry of the one another's. Brethren, if anyone is caught in a trespass, did you get that? Brethren, who would that be? That'd be the boys. No. (laughs) Do you see the flow that he's coming out of? Please see the flow here. He sets world record run on sentences here and you're in the middle of one. Okay, I know it may say that it's an indentation of a parable. It ain't in the text. He's saying if you who are spiritual see anyone in any trespass, what's the trespass? They're not walking in the Spirit. Dude, we're going to be busy, ain't we? If you who are walking in the Spirit see anyone not walking in the Spirit, what are you supposed to do? In the spirit of gentleness. Be on guard. Guard yourself, he says. Bear one another's burden, thereby fulfilling the law. If anyone thinks something of himself, he is when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one must examine his own work, and then will reason for boasting in regard. Okay, do you see what he's saying here? Remember what we looked at? The body of Christ, the supernatural power. He says, do not forsake the assembly together. This is a habit of some. Why? You are to gather together to what? Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Okay? Um, do, do you understand that the answer to all of life's needs... Okay, now I wrote this down and I want to make sure I emphasize this. The answer to all of life's needs is walking in the Spirit. I know. He was expecting something more complicated. Try it. And yet, in chapter 3, we've seen that there was someone bewitching the Galatians. There is someone bewitching the church in America today. They are charming them. They are giving them the foolish solutions of the world. And they've been charmed into it. How do I help somebody walk? How do I help? Experience? I had this experience. I had a liver quiver. You couldn't believe it. It was incredible. I've seen angels. I've seen bells. I've seen whistles. Okay? No, I have a methodology. If you do this 40 days or this 400 years or you do this 92 thing or if you do this experiencing thing or if you plug this thing in, you, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You're going to fill in all the blanks and when you're done, what? You're all of a sudden now ready to help somebody walk? How about psychology? Is that going to help? Really? You're going to take a psychological analysis and help a person walk in the Spirit. Well, I can help you. We can get that done right away. All right? I'm going to help you psychologically. Okay? It's in your gene pool. Blame Adam. Let's walk. Okay? Now, the problem is I need to drag that out so I can make $100 an hour. Okay? I, you know, and I know that if I go try to submit that bill to a, an insurance carrier, they're going to go, oh, right. Okay? 
The church is turning to human solutions. They call the church to walk by the Spirit. That's what Paul's doing to Galatians. That's what Paul's doing to you and me today. All of this will work on the flesh if you're walking in the Spirit. Okay? We have a responsibility to help each other. Did you know that? We have a responsibility to take this person down here in the earthly and lift them up to the heavenlies. What method would you like to try to use to do that? People ask me that, well, people, you know me well enough that I said that the only thing I ever ask a person who comes a part of this church is walk with me. Walk with me. Everybody says, well, you know, my wife is making fun of my gray hairs and my beard. See, normally if you get them on your head, you're wise. I have them on my chin. I don't know what that means. I do. Why? I have a tendency to fall down and hit my chin on a regular basis. But you know what I ask you guys? Walk with me. You know what? When I fall down, my prayer is, is there somebody who says, help him up again. Why? Because, you know, that's really what we do. That's discipleship. I walk, boom, fall down, get up. You walk, fall down, boom, I help you up. Because we live in an unredeemed flesh. Now, I don't know about your unredeemed flesh, but my unredeemed flesh tends towards sin. And I just, it's just a bugger for me sometimes. It just, um, then I've seen some who tend to sin more than others. In those times that there's the flesh has raised up, they are not, we are not walking in the Spirit. We are being led by the flesh. We can and should expect believers to follow a biblical responsibility to come to us, to confront us, and help us up. That's why I call this the ministry of the one another's. Whose responsibility is this? No. It's all of those who are walking in the Spirit. I've had you who weren't trying to help me. That's ugly. Your fire on my fuel. It don't work. Or sometimes you come and give me your fuel on my fire. That don't work. But when you're walking in the Spirit, you will be aware of the person who is not walking in the Spirit. And you must help them walk or you have just forsaken walking in the Spirit. You know what I get that? That's a sin. If you see somebody who has stumbled into their flesh and you don't help them, you have just stumbled into your flesh. And now I got two down. Okay? If you're walking, you have a responsibility to see a fleshly Christian, to go to that person and help restore that person. The spirit of gentleness. I need to get you out of the earthlies and put you back into the heavenlies. And let me tell you something. That there is a load. Okay? I don't know if you've ever had the experience or not. Have you ever picked up dead weight? I mean, a, a person who doesn't help? <laughs> that would be dead weight. 
Okay, have you ever, they tend to be a little bit on the. How'd you get that all in one package? Okay, it's amazing. Uh, you people can sort of assist you, and it is amazing. But if you have to pick up somebody who has just crashed down and can't do anything on their own, that is a load to pick up. And you know, well, you got to use your legs, dude. You need to find help. And in some cases, when a brother or a sister falls into this struggle where they're walking in the flesh, it is, yeah, you're going to take a few of us. And you know what? The word here that he uses for burden is when they would overload a donkey that its legs would buckle. Okay? So you get what he's saying here? We're not talking, listen, when the weight of the flesh falls upon a Christian, you're not talking about, here, let me help you. We're talking about getting up under a load. Now listen, think about this. I want you to grab a hold of this. This is amazing stuff. You and I, every once in a while, like to pick up our old dead carcasses, right? Is there anybody here struggling with something today? Your flesh? I mean, just a little bit of something, you know. Um, Nate's struggling and his hair's all gone. Uh, That's all right, brother. I'm going to give you to Al. (laughs) Al will help you bear that burden. Okay. Have you ever struggled with something? And, and I mean, and it's not a big issue, but it's yours. And you're walking in it and you're carrying it. You're getting victory on it. And all of a sudden you come around the corner and there is a blessed child of God crushed by the flesh. Now you've got your load and his or her load. What man method would you use to accomplish that? There ain't one. You know what you're going to do? You're going to show the grace of Christ. You're going to show the mercy of Christ. There's no human method. Human wisdom is going to ever get that one accomplished. And you're going to come up underneath that person. And you're going to get up under them. You're going to lift them up a little bit. You're going to slide up underneath them. You're going to lift them up on your shoulders. You're going to stand up. And you're going to stand up. And you're going to straighten up. And you're going to start walking with that huge burden. That huge, huge weight. And you're going to keep walking until that person can stand. And how would you like to try to do that? That's hard. Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> Verses 23 through 25 says this. Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. He was promised as faithful. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembly together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay? You know what he's saying here? You're going to run into Christians who are loaded down, squashed like a bug with the flesh. And you know what? Do you really want to go around and pick every one of them up by yourself and carry them until they are able to bear that load? I don't want to. I really don't want to. 
Whose responsibility is it? The Christians. Why? I don't want to forsake the assembly together. Why? Because just the assembly together does what? Stimulates one another to love and good deeds. That is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit starts coming forth. And then all of a sudden, you know what? You're walking in the Spirit. Yeah, you may stumble. You may waver. You may wander. But if the saints of God who are walking in the Spirit come alongside you, you're not going to wander along. Every time we gather, some of us are living spiritual lives. Some of us are walking in the Spirit. Some of us are obedient and sensitive to the Spirit. Some of us are leading in the Spirit. We are in the Word by the Spirit. The Word of Christ is dwelling us richly. Our hearts are overwhelmed. We are richly blessed and endowed by the things of God. And we are walking in a manifestation of Christ. But there are some who are in the flesh. They're disobedient to the Lord. They have an attitude of rebellion. They have relationship problems. They are unfaithful. They can't worship. And they're not leading, following the leading of the Lord. And the spiritual are what? Help the fleshly. Help the fleshly. Come alongside. Lift them up. Galatians 6 shows it right there. Help one another to be spiritual. Okay? He who says he's without sin calls God a liar. Okay, 1 John 1, 8. All right? It isn't calling you to perfection. It is calling you to production. He doesn't say when you reach perfection, then go out and try to help somebody. Man, this drives me nuts. Listen, if you're expecting me to be perfected, you're in trouble. Let me show you another text. I mean, this is just... There's a plethora of this in the Bible. Okay, James chapter 3, verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. Hmm. (laughs) What, really? What do you mean, James? Well, it's really simple. The book of James deals with trials and tribulations. I mean, that's basically what it is. All right, and it is either on a spiritual level or on a temporal level. Either way, he says how to deal with it. We stumble in many ways. Fleshly is useless to God. Absolutely useless. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 21 says, There are noble and there are ignoble. Okay? First Corinthians chapter 5 says that a little leaven infects what? The whole lump. So what do you do with the leaven? You deal with it. You don't wait on it because if it is there, it will affect others. Functioning in the flesh is not useful to God. Functioning in the flesh is not useful to God. We embrace the whole body. We want the whole body to be strong. We want the whole body to be the manifestation of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul goes to that list. I was shipwrecked and left in the deep, but I was beaten with rods, and I was done this, and this happened to me, and this happened to me. And he says, and my daily concern for the church. Where is that today? Where is our daily concern for the church? Where is our ministry of the one another's? Well, preacher, Matthew chapter 7 says, judge not lest you be judged. Better read all of it. Okay? Because it says, you know what? If you're going to help a brother get a speck out of his eye, you better make sure you ain't got a beam in yours. That's why it says the spiritual are supposed to do this. The spiritual are supposed to bear the burden of the weak. 
I see the weak condemning the weak. Called to self-examination is what Matthew 7 is saying. Minister to one another. Two ways. How? Spiritual gifts and enabling of the one another's. The one another's. And the first thing you've got to do is confront it. You flat out have to confront it. We love that, don't we? If you like confrontation, then know this, you're in the flesh. But if you look to the confrontation for its restoration, then know that you are walking in the Spirit. If you are going to point out my sin, better be ready to walk with me. And if you see another in sin and you come to me and say, I need you to pray about this, I will stop you before you get started because I'll know right then that I need to bear your burden. If I find somebody in a sin and they do something wrong, you know what I do? I tell them and no one else. That's all I have to do. Okay? But I also tell them this. Here's my hand, here's my arm, here's my shoulder. Let's walk. Let's walk. I call us the ministry of the one another's. Here's why I call it that. We are called to pray for one another. We are, to, we are called to comfort one another. We are called to build up one another. We are called to encourage one another. We are called to accept one another. We are called to admonish one another. We are called to bear one another. We are called to love one another. We are called to teach one another. And there should be an increasing in love for one another. And you know what? The one another's don't work in the flesh. You know what? We are our brother's keepers. We are. Some of you are hard to keep. But you know what? We need one another. We are dependent on one another. Desperately dependent on one another. Pursuing holiness to be used for God, to be used for you. Did you know that? And I have to have your help to do that. I can't do it. Why? God graced me with every one of you. I walk in holiness. Why? Because you are ministering to me. Caring for one another. Loving one another. We have a responsibility for the purity of the church. Every single one of us. Did you know that? Yeah, I do too. I have to give an account for your souls. I'm really excited about that. Titus was left on the island of Crete to appoint elders and to finish what was remaining. In chapter 3 of Titus, verse 10, he says this, Reject a factious man after the first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. You know what a factious man is, don't you? Somebody who quarrels. All the time. In chapter 2, verse 15 of the same letter, he says this, These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. You know what that is, right? That's confrontation. That is part of the ministry of the one and others. 
You speak it. People zealous for good deeds. Listen, God wants pure people, not perfect people. If you're a perfect person, you don't need Him. People zealous for what God is doing. We are to speak it. We are to exhort it. We are to reprove it. Why? And we do it in the basis of the authority of Scripture. How? Those who are walking by the Spirit help those who are fleshly. Listen, the fleshly, when they are walking in fleshly, we who are spiritual need to understand that they are cut off from all the perfecting work God wants to do in them. A true believer, entangled. You pick them up. Pick them up. Yeah, they weigh a ton sometimes. Sometimes all they need is a nudge. Sometimes they are worse than dead weight. If they are in any trespass, any time a believer is not walking in the Spirit, he is caught in a trespass. They are trapped, they are bound, they are in bondage, and they are useless to God. They fall or they stumble into sin. Any time a believer falls into sin, that is the reason to act immediately. No, you don't say, we need to have a prayer meeting. I need to go find the elders. I need to find somebody and pray for this poor bugger. Listen, if God brought him into your life or her into your life and you witness it and you see the flesh, you are called instantaneously to deal with it. And you don't have to make a program out of it. You know, I'm going to put this on the prayer chain. No. You deal with it right there. You come up in comfort and mercy and grace and you say, let me help you stand. And I'll bear that burden. Our culture moves us to isolation, pride. You know what? In this ministry of the one another's is difficult in our culture. Let me ask you a question. James says, confess your sins to one another. How are you doing? Line up. Who wants to go first? I would go first, but I would be hogging the time. We don't want to get close to people, let alone them to see how we live or to see how they live. We don't want no involvement in that whatsoever. And yet, part of the problem of this isolation and part of the problem of this is the ministry of the one and others. We want to hire ministers. Let me hire a handful of pastors, a youth pastor, an old pastor, a young pastor, a singles pastor, a doubles pastor. I don't know. Why? Because I don't want to do nothing. Listen, you want to see life at home? That's where truth is manifest. It's where it's manifest. You want to see what a person believes in their relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to spend time with them where? Yes, everybody says, I want to sign up for the confessing of sin. <laughs> I don't need people coming over to the house. See, we can hide a whole bunch of stuff, but you can't hide it at home. When a saint is trapped, when a saint is trapped, caught, um, we need to go into action. We must each walk by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit, we are perfected. We must see the spiritual weapons as a spiritual fight, a spiritual war. You're not going to get a spiritual battle and do it with weapons of the flesh. Spiritual solutions to, You have to have spiritual solutions to spiritual problems. We can't 
fall to the flesh. And when we do, God says, bring them back to the level. Who? You who are spiritual. Listen, we're not always able to get back up on our own life by ourselves. You know what? I have been blessed. I've been through some stuff. I've been through some stuff in my life as a pastor. And I remember a real tough time I was going through. And I just, it was just awful. I mean, I was, you know, I kept thinking that God had Judas. I didn't realize I was going to have like nine of them. Okay. And I'm thinking, I remember at one point, I believe I shared it with Matt. I'm ready for the crucifixion. Crucify me. At least I know the end. You know, you put me on a cross. I know I ain't getting my butt off of it. So I'm going to die. It may take me a few days, but at least I see the finish line. You know what? I had two people in this fellowship who had some dealings, understanding what I was going to do. And I remember we were sitting out back here in the office and they came in and they both sat there and they looked at me and they said, we want to help you walk through this. They don't have any idea what that meant to me at that point in my life. Because I was tired. I had carried burdens. I had been kicked for carrying burdens. I had been run over. And I also had mine. And I was just sick and tired of it. And I had two people. You know what? They didn't do anything. They didn't come to me. Well, you know, dispensational theology says that we need to do this and this and this. They didn't do nothing. You know what they said? The power of the Holy Spirit will comfort you. Why? By our presence. That's it. They didn't take the load off. I mean, it wasn't like all of a sudden, poof, look, everything's good. You know what? I knew that I had two people who understood my heartache, and they were walking and they were praying for me. That's it. But you know what? Those people had spent years being involved in my life. How did they do that? They didn't forsake the assembly together, which is the habit of many. We can fall to the flesh at any given moment. Sometimes we can't even get back up. And we need another person to stimulate us to love and good deeds. You know what? I've had people who've encouraged me and they never even knew I needed it encouraging. I've had people who I was bearing a burden. It was heavy. I felt my flesh wanting to go out and shoot sheep. Well, that's what it felt like. I'm doing the confessing sin, so on. And they just came through and they just said something. They maybe were dealing with something. They shared something with me. You know what? I've had it where people just hug my neck. And I put my guns away. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, church must function more than a Sunday morning meeting. You who are spiritual, you who are being perfected by the Spirit, you who are being led by the Spirit, you who are walking by the Spirit, you who are filled with the Spirit, you who are bore along by the Spirit, you have a God-centered, focused mind on spiritual thought. The Word of Christ is dwelling you richly. You have an obligation yielded to the Spirit in prayer, submitted to the Word, You consider others more important than yourself in all humility. 
God looks at lives. Galatians 5 shows us that. God looks at lives. He also looks at fruit. I want to produce fruit. In Romans chapter 15, verse 1, it says that the strong are to bear the weak. Okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 and following, it says you're supposed to admonish. You're supposed to encourage. You are supposed to help. And you are supposed to be patient with all. The stronger to help the weak, the spiritual help the fleshly. That is our responsibility. And you know what? It is so simple. How do I do this? Pick them up. Lift them up. Lift them up. Hebrews 12.12 is an interesting thought on this. Strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. How do you do that? First of all, you've got to get a hold of them. Got to get a hold of them. Got to hold on to their hands. Why? Because they are weak. Sometimes the knees are feeble. Do you know that? You know what that means, right? Help them. You may have to be a crutch. A crutch. Sin is a result of weakness at a point of temptation, lost in the conflict. I lift them up. Lift up the weak. Restore them. Help them. Help them get back. James chapter five verse fourteen. Any of you sick? And it literally means weak, and it can be weary. That's the word sick. It can be weak. They can be wearisome. What does it say do? Call the elders. And do what? Pray. Why? How great is it when you feel overwhelmed by your burden to have somebody who is spiritual? Technically, the elders should be, but it's obvious by mine and Matt's, uh, uh, we need your prayers. Uh, You guys have all arrived and we're sitting here going, help us. Where we are. You know, I'm just... In the quagmire of sin. Anyway, um, how great is it to just have a person just to just say, Hey, help me. Help me. And you have the spirituals that theoretically should be your elders. Your elders should come alongside. You know what? The other thing on that other side of that coin, the implication is there. The elders ought to know. Daggone, they ought to know. I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. Yo, what pit are you in? That's how I do it. Matt says, try a different... (laughs) Confessing our sins to one another? Yeah, sign me up. I'm going to... I want you to understand the confrontation. You who are spiritual, see any person who is not walking in the Spirit, it is our responsibility that is spiritual to help them. How do I help? I have to confront it. I have to confront it. You know what? And I want you to confront it. But let me tell you something. I'm going to warn you one time. If I hear otherwise, it's my turn. I catch a Christian in the flesh trying to help a Christian in the flesh, I'm going to be on you like white on rice. Because I have seen that. I have seen that. There is no self-justifying and confronting a child of God who's struggling. And if I catch, I get wind of it. Oh. I confront it. I'm going to recognize sin as a sin. I'm going to seek God's cleansing, God's forgiveness. I'm going to face that sin with that person in confrontation and confession. And then I'm going to pray for spiritual strength.
and I'm going to walk to bear that load. You confront a saint and you don't pick up that load, you will have a load dumped on you. And it's going to look just like me. But I'm going to do it in love. And you better pray that I find mercy. I left it in my other suit. And <laughs> Paige says, he don't know where that suit is. <laughs> do you see the ministry of the one another's? You want to do this based on an emotional experience? You want to do this based on some method or system or pragmatism? You want to do this based on psychology? I don't. I want to do it with divine enabling. Now every one of us in this room are accountable for this. If you're walking in the flesh, I will walk with you. I will bear that burden. I will help you. If you're walking in the Spirit, be sensitive to those who are around you in your life who stumble. And you have to confront them and get up underneath them and pick up a load. Be warned. If you do it in your flesh, it will become evident. And then I get to join the party. And you know what? There's times I'm not walking in the Spirit, but I will not tolerate that. And I'm, you know what? If I'm in the Spirit and I catch you doing it, it's going to be all kinds of fun. If I'm in the flesh and I catch you doing that, it's going to be like that one letter that's missing out of the Corinthians. Paul wrote four Corinthian letters. Two of them were Spirit-filled. Let's pray. Father, help us to walk in the Spirit. Father, we, we can't even do this. Father, we carry around unredeemed flesh, decaying bodies. And sometimes, Lord, they, uh, sometimes they overwhelm us. Father, sometimes we put too much emphasis on it. Help us to overcome. Help us to overcome these unredeemed vessels. Lord, I thank you for this text. I thank you. I thank you what it means to me at this point in my life. Father, I know that others here who struggle, Father, we walk together. We walk together in the mercy and the power of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Help us. Help us. In Christ's name, amen.